I need to know everything Who in the what and the where I need everything Trust me, I hear what you're saying But I like it's new what you're telling me I'm curious, George, I hop in the Porsche There's five and a horse, I'm ready for war I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost I need to know everything Now you'll be surprised at the info you get Alright everybody, welcome to another episode of ADP That stands for another damn fantasy podcast It's Dan here, one half of the hosts And I've got Trevor with me as well Special guest tonight, Tyler Lamb joining us Gillette Gazette, managing, managing editor and has been kind of hopping around on a ton of different podcasts. You're a wanted man, Tyler. I appreciate you taking the time to jump on here. Of course, man, dude. Happy to be here. Um, just got off a podcast um, not even 15, <laughs> 20 minutes ago, but very excited to talk ADP with you guys, talk draft strategy. Dude, it's, it's my time of year. This is my bread and butter, dude. I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, we appreciate it, man. We are going to get into the draft strategies today. We'll also talk a little bit of NFL news. Uh, but before we get started, go ahead and hit that hit that like button. Hit the five-star review on Apple or Spotify, wherever you're listening to our podcast here. And check us out over at stadiumrant.com. few listener questions here today, guys. Uh, and then, of course, we each picked a part of the draft that we want to kind of talk through uh, what third of the draft, as, as we think about our strategies, we're going to get into that towards the end here. But Dan, sad news this morning. Why don't you uh, talk us through a little bit of about Lynn Dawson and, and maybe even your own personal story about him? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, you know, Kansas City legend, broadcasting legend, you know, spent a lot of time on Inside the NFL, 40 years as a broadcaster in Kansas City. Uh, was a, was the sports director at KNBC Nine News here in Kansas City as well. Um, so so huge impact not just on the field where he was a Hall of Fame quarterback inducted in 1987, won Super Bowl four, also was a part of the very first Super Bowl against the Green Bay Packers, and ended up being the MVP of Super Bowl four in which he got the W over the, the Vikings in that game. Big time loss in the community for sure. You know, he touched a lot of people's lives, uh, died at the age of 87. Uh, the impact that he's had on a lot of the people here in Kansas City, you could hear it over the airwaves and the radio stations just kind of listening through today. And I was fortunate enough to get to meet him uh, when I was a child. So my my grandmother took my brother and I <laughs> down to the local price shopper in northeast Kansas City where he was signing autographs and Tyler, you're not from Kansas. I don't know if they have price shoppers up in, uh, in the Boston area, but that's just a grocery store. And um, <laughs> he was signing autographs out there and we fortunately were able to go there and meet him. And he was just such a kind, kind person. And that was really the first chiefs player that I got to meet as a kid. So uh, getting that opportunity, getting the, you know, signed photograph to me, just meant a lot. And that was always a guy that I idolized and watched, you know, here locally in Kansas city, him talk about the chiefs and just sports in general on the local news. So it's someone that, you know, I grew up hearing all of the time and, you know, he retired from the local news station back in 2009. And it was a big deal when he, you know, when he stopped doing what he was doing in front of the camera lens, definitely condolences go out to the Dawson family. And, um, you know, we lost a, a Kansas city legend today for sure. Yeah. Very close here locally for us, uh, us hometown people here in Kansas city and RIP to the legend, man. 
got the best photo in the NFL. Let's be honest. I mean, it, oh, yeah. it'll live on forever. Smoking a heater at halftime. So there's some other, other news though, in the NFL, uh, more less local type news, uh, more spread out and a little bit of fantasy implications here. Mike Kosecki uh, reportedly being shot might be traded here in Miami. I heard a lot of reports around them really wanting him to be a, a more of a blocking tight end with this new zone scheme they've got going on uh, in Miami. Maybe not as much of the receiving threat as we've we've known him to be in the past. I've already sent, I've already moved him down my rankings. Last week we talked tight ends. I had him at number 12, 15, 16. I mean, really, I'm not I'm not excited about the the news out of Miami here. Um, have you guys adjusted anything here hearing about Mike Gusecki? I, I just I never find myself drafting Mike Gusecki. I, I it, it's not even this year. It's been like a multiple year thing, but I just have never found myself to be a, a, a Gusecki drafter. Not that I don't like the dude. I think he's ultra talented in his role. I think he's more of a receiving threat. He doesn't have the blocking chops. That's kind of obvious. I think a situation that would be good for him if he were to be moved would be something like the Bengals. I know they got uh, Hayden Hurst, but but Hayden Hurst, even though he was a first-round draft pick, just kind of seems like a dude. I, I think if you added like another vertical threat, especially coming from that tight end spot on that Cincinnati team, that could be dangerous. That's probably what I would do or what I would hope for if if you're in Dynasty and you kind of have him. Like if he does get chopped, but if not, he still had, I think it was over a hundred targets last year. Even if that gets downsized to 70, you're still probably looking at a back end tight end one or a high end tight end two. Yeah. My, my stance on tight ends, we talked about it in the last episode. If I'm not getting that top six, top seven ish tight end that I'm, <laughs> I'm going to stream. I'll grab whoever I can in like the 12th or 13th round and roll with that guy. You know, I'm looking at honestly, like with this Kasiki news, I never was very high on him to begin with. He was in my top 12 initially, but he definitely does fall out of that. Now I'd probably move Fryermuth in there where I had him just outside of that range. You know, it definitely doesn't excite me from a fantasy football perspective. And Tyler, you kind of touched on already. He doesn't, he's not really the prototypical blocking type of tight end. They had another guy there in Miami. I think his name's Smythe. He is a little bit more of a blocking uh, sort of tight end. I can see him getting a lot of those snaps. I mean, last year we, we saw it, you know, Gesicki was lining up in the slot. A lot of times instead of just at tight end. So the fact that they're trying to take this biggest strength that he brings to the field, which is being dynamic and minimize it to him just being a blocker is very interesting, especially since McDaniel coming from that Shanahan tree where they had George Kittle all over the place and they're essentially using everyone like a Swiss army knife. It just doesn't make a ton of sense to me if he's able to get traded. You know, Cincinnati's definitely a good potential fit. I can see Minnesota going after him as well with Irv Smith having his injury issues. He just came back from an ACL um, and then gets hurt again just pretty much right away. But there's a lot of teams in the NFL that could use a tight end of his caliber and and just, you know, the flavor that he brings to the field for sure. Yeah, I saw Dallas floated out there. Giants come to mind for me. They're running out like, Daniel Bellinger, rookie tight end as their tight end one teams like that. So there's plenty of opportunity if Miami does decide to, to move him. 
Jamison Williams, uh, he's guaranteed to miss at least four games. I don't think we're surprised here. Something we, we really expect probably six to eight weeks here for Jamison Williams. It's it's getting to the time where the, the teams are starting to cut down to, to 53 rosters. I think they went down to 80 this week. So now we're looking at the 53-man uh, rosters coming up. Expect a, a lot of, of pup lists, a lot of uh, injury lists here coming up. So just kind of keep monitoring that, especially as you move into to your drafts. And then, Dan, I'll let you tell tell everybody about the latest Tom Brady saga that's out there. Sheesh, Reno. <laughs> Dana White, they had him on a broadcast, and he comes out and starts talking about the Gronk and Brady move. You know, they ended up going to Tampa in the 2020 offseason. He comes out to say that, a deal was pretty much in place to get Brady in Vegas and then Gronk to follow him there. Right. Well, then John Gruden blew the whole thing up doing what he does best. (laughs) And, and uh, he ended up, you know, going to Tampa and the rest is history. John Gruden. I, I mean, this is one of those sports takes that I'll, you know, I'll die on a hill for. I think he's probably the most overrated coach in NFL history. And the fact that he is the reason why the Las Vegas Raiders are sticking with Derek Carr as opposed to having Tom Brady for a third consecutive season is just hilarious to me. And and me being a Chiefs fan just puts like a little cherry on top of that news coming out. Now, the validity of it, um, you know, it's coming from Dana White. He is in the sports world, you know, so on and so forth. But it's just it's just one of those things that, you know, it's I'm just not surprised since Gruden was kind of in the middle of it. <laughs> the Raiders always seem to shoot themselves in the foot on stuff like this. They're always in there. Man, I've never seen so much football talent wasted in one individual. Like, wow. Cause the guy knows football. Like, that's that's for damn sure. He just he just had a I don't know. He just sometime a flip switched his head and he just went just wrong. He just went incorrect for like a long period of time and then flipped back and he was just I don't know couldn't don't understand it. Kai always liked the guy and then the email thing came out and then like the whole rest of his decision making you kind of look at you put in question. But yeah, that clip Gronk's actually sitting there. I'm pretty sure like in the telecast and he's sitting there kind of nodding his head. So, like, that leads me to believe that that's just all kind of what happened, man. And if that's what happened, like, damn, Las Vegas really kind of lost it there. That's that's very tough for, for that. That was probably a Super Bowl because I don't care where he goes that year. He's leaving and sticking it to Billy, Bel- Billy Belichick's face and all of uh, us Patriots fans' face. Not vindictively, just because he's Tom Brady. And that's what he does with a chip on his shoulder. He's coming back again this year. He'll be at the Super Bowl. Lock it in. The reason I disagree that he would have got a Super Bowl that year is because the Raiders' defense is not what Tampa Bay's defense is. Tampa Bay's defense was was phenomenal during that run. Now, it's Tom Brady. I mean, he, he was also phenomenal. Don't, don't get me wrong. But that defense stood up and took down Aaron Rodgers and took down Patrick Mahomes and maybe even Drew Brees that year. But, I mean, it was like quarterback after quarterback, right? I just don't think the Raiders defense in 2021, 2020 was there was, was where, you know, Tampa base was that season, but I wasn't expecting us to talk John Gruden today. 
I was let's get into some fantasy drafts. Let's talk. Let's talk some fun yeah. stuff. Let's talk relevant stuff. Uh, let and, yeah. and it starts with our listeners, right? We asked, we threw it out there on Twitter, on Facebook, received some some inquiries and, and had some qu- questions from our listeners. And and I'll just start with the first one and ask you guys and let you kind of give your answers here from Miggy Van D on Twitter. The ADP are close for these four running backs, and he wants us to rank their best potential to finish as a high-end RB2 for his team. The running backs are Chase Edmonds, Devin Singletary, Ramondre Stevenson, and Damian Pierce. Tyler, I'll start with you. How do you rank these four running backs? So I'm probably going to start with Chase Edmonds. I mean, he's he's probably a clear RB1. You go with the money. You first and foremost, you go with what the team says, and generally the team speaks when they give money out to players. They signed Chase Edmonds for a significant deal this offseason for a running back. Um, I think he's going to come in there, and if he's healthy, he'll be the guy. I know Raheem Mostert's there too, but Chase Edmonds is kind of used to being in a split situation, and he's always been very decent when he's on the field. He's in an offense that is schematically should be conducive to running back production. Um, and you're getting him in, uh, I'm pretty sure what it was at the between the seventh and the eighth round on ESPN, I believe. Um, if you're going zero RB, it's, it's a clear target there. Um, second is, is Stevenson for me. Um, I think Ramondre Stevenson might just take out the the RB one role right right from Damian Harris this year, and James White's passing down role. Ty Montgomery is going to be mixed in there. If you want like a late sleeper or a waiver wire guy, you could pick up like a couple weeks in. Ty Montgomery could be that like guy nobody's really talking about. Um, but as far as overall and RB two ish production, Stevenson should really be giving you that as well. Singletary is probably next, um, only only because I, I liked what I saw from him in the last six-ish games last year when they finally ended the Zach Moss experience, experience over there. I know James Cook um, puts a little bit of a damper on that, but there's no reason why Cook should be going higher than Singletary. And if anything, they should be going much closer together, if so, Singletary in front. And Damian Pierce would probably be last on the list only because we haven't seen it yet. But that's that doesn't mean don't draft him out of these players. Um, I like what I've seen so far, and it's pretty much solidified that he's going to be the starting back from what Lovey Smith said. So, Tyler, I'm a little bit on an opposite angle that you're taking for me really i'm looking at devin singletary to finish higher than these other three guys mostly because of what you talked about you know your point was the final six games of the season what he was able to do and trevor i think you brought this up when we were talking running backs in episode three you know he put up what was it top 12 numbers those last six games of the season last year And just rolling into this season, you know, James Cook, I haven't heard a whole lot from him this preseason. I've actually heard some things about his stock going down there in Buffalo. So, you know, just seeing 
the way that this Buffalo offense is going to be and how dynamic they're going to be and his red zone capabilities, those are the things I'm looking at for Devin Singletary to be that high-end RB2. And then after that, I'm going Damian Pierce. The Texans, they actually have a pretty decent offensive line. Now, it's really going to depend on how how well Davis Mills is keeping them in games, whether or not they're going to keep running the ball, passing the ball, what the situations are looking like. But I don't like how crowded the Dolphins' backfield is, and that's why I have him above Chase Edmonds. They have what you mentioned earlier, you know, but they also have uh, Sony Michelle and a few other guys, uh, Miles Gaskin. Those are all guys that are going to compete for snaps in that Miami backfield. And until that kind of shakes out and we see what those trends are looking like, we don't know what this Miami coach is going to do. I'm I'm staying away from all Miami Dolphins running backs. That's why Chase Edmonds is number four, and I'm putting Ramon J. Stevenson number three in my list. And that's only because Damian Harris is sitting in front of him on the depth chart right now. I don't think that's how it's going to be at the end of the season. I think at the end of the season, we'll see Ramondre Stevenson earn a lot of these, a lot more opportunities. But just that beginning portion as they're starting to work out their trends, seeing where things are going to go with the offense, that's the part that concerns me with him. So, you know, the way I look at it, Singletary, Pierce, Stevenson, Edmonds. I'll go quick here. Uh, I have Singletary number one as well. Uh, top 25 running back for me here. Top offense in the league. I think that he's just being a little bit undervalued a lot because of James Cook, right? And Zach Moss got the two goal line touchdowns last preseason game. And now everybody's talking about maybe he's going to be the goal line guy. But Singletary, I, I think they really actually give him the opportunity. He'll be there. Stevenson, uh, Tyler, I hope that you're right. Being being the Boston guy, being the Patriots guy, I love him this year. Snagged him in my most recent redraft as my RB2 in the ninth round, and I absolutely loved it because I, I truly think that Stevenson also, if, if tomorrow Damian Harris was traded, Stevenson would be at the top of my list here, no doubt, because I really believe in him. I think he'll also be the, the best back in New England. Uh, I have Chase Edmonds at thir- three. I like him. I-, I agree with you. Follow the money. New coaching staff here. He actually chose Miami, turned down some other money elsewhere to get to this zone blocking scheme. And then Damian Pierce, like you said, Tyler, don't don't be afraid to draft him. But if I'm comparing it to the other four, he really needs like all, all the touches in Houston to really pay off, in my opinion. I just don't think that offense is going to be good enough to to really push a Damian Pierce to to back in RB two levels. Yeah, I I definitely have to agree with you on that one. Um, the the thing about Stevenson, real quick, I've said this before, and I'll continue saying it just because it makes me feel good. I believe his comp is uh, Demarco Murray. There, uh, Stevenson six one two twenty three. Demarco Murray was six foot two thirty. Uh, they both had really good in between the tackles, but they're also shifty could be used in the pass game. The thing about Stevenson that reminds me the most is when he gets tackled up top and he looks like he's going to go down, he puts his hand in the dirt, shoots up and gets five, six more yards. And that's like something you see from DeMarco all the time. His contact balance was incredible. So if some, I, I just think that he's the guy, he's the guy in dynasty and, and hopefully in the back half of redrafts this year. Awesome. So let's get to that second question here. Uh, this one's from at Saints Report UK. We got it from Twitter. 
what round would you start looking at QB? Tyler, I'll turn it over to you first, and then Trevor, you can come in, and I'll uh, wrap it up. Yeah, so I'm probably looking in like the sixth round, maybe later, depending on like it, it all depends on your draft and, and your league. Um, as far as who I'm looking at, I think Jalen Hurts has a chance to be the QB one this year. Um, I was listening to the fantasy footballers, and there was this uh, nice little segue about Patrick Mahomes and uh, Jalen Hurts since Jalen Hurts has entered the league. And he has more top five finishes and more top 12 finishes than Patrick Mahomes since he's ended the league. Now he gets AJ Brown. Hopefully they're, they're going to use their skill sets more and pass the ball more to AJ Brown, Devonte Smith, Dallas Goddard. That's a very solid room. Um, and then he adds whatever he adds in his legs. If I can't get hurt, so I'm waiting for Lance. And that's probably a little bit later, maybe around eight ish, six to six to eight. And similar thing, great, uh, great supporting cast. He's he's this year's last year's Jalen Hurts, a late round quarterback who has the leg floor and um, can offer high high upside in passing. And if I can't get that guy, the other two guys I'm looking at later, virtually in ten or after, is either Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, both year two guys. Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be the second coming of NFL Jesus. And after one bad year with a just absolutely horrendous joke of a, of a coaching staff, everybody's kind of left him out in the dirt. And I don't, I don't believe in that. I think that kid's really good. I think Dougie P is a great fantasy coach for quarterbacks and he could really turn it around. That could be a steal this year. Post hype train, Trevor Lawrence, get on it. I, I can I can jump on the post type train with you. Uh, I think it's like a great if if you like drafting two quarterbacks. I am a one quarterback only drafter in one quarterback leagues. But if you like to grab a second guy, he's a really good second guy to throw on the end of your bench and, and wait it out for a couple weeks. Uh, also, Tyler, it is very clear that you and I have never drafted in a twelve team redraft before because Trey Lance goes at six oh four whenever I'm in the draft. That's uh, that's where I took him last weekend, and that's where I'll take him every time. Also, no, you got to know your draft, and I knew he was never coming back to me in the seventh, so I had to take him there. But for me, I'm, I'm not going anywhere before the first, uh, the fourth round, right? So when I'm starting to look at quarterback, I'm not even thinking about it through rounds one to three. At the back end of round four, that four or five turn, I'll definitely uh, look at Lamar. I like him there, but really, most often it's. Murray, Lance, or Hurts in the sixth round. Uh, right where you were talking about, Tyler, that sixth round. Three quarterbacks who can use their legs. Three quarterbacks who I believe have top three potential. And if you hit on the right one, you're feeling really good about getting them in the sixth round. And then the only other time is if Mahomes falls to the fourth, I'll take him every time. It hasn't happened a lot, but he does seem to be falling a little bit more so if he does fall to the fourth, I'll take him every time. I think the third into the second, too rich for my blood, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, those prices, they're just a little bit too rich, especially with all these guys with high rushing upside in the sixth round. No, I'm with you on that. The The place that I'm targeting, QB's definitely in fifth and sixth rounds. Um, I'm really looking at grabbing Kyler Murray in the fifth as often as I can. If Lamar Jackson's there, I'd probably prioritize him over Murray just a little bit. Um, 
just very slim. And, you know, if, if Mahomes did fall to me late fourth, Josh Allen falls to me early fourth, that's when I would look at those kinds of guys. If I miss on those four, I'm looking at Dak Prescott in the sixth or seventh round. And then after that, if I miss on him again, then I'm just going to wait it out and grab Stafford a little bit later. It also depends on the wide receiver that I have on my team. I do like to pair the quarterback with the wide receiver if I can, if it makes sense, double up on those touchdowns. So it really just depends on how the draft's falling. Um, But those are definitely my pre-draft plans. But once the draft happens, you know, you got to have a plan B, C, D, E, (laughs) and and just kind of roll roll with the punches that way. But that's that's typically how I tend to do it. Now, I do have an outlier in this last draft that I did. It's a keeper league. <clears throat> Most of the teams were keeping wide receivers. So once the third round swung back around to me, I knew I didn't have a fourth round pick and I didn't have any running backs. So I was like, okay, I need to take a quarterback at this point in the third round. And this was late third. This was second to last pick of the third round. I took Josh Allen and that's an outlier. I tend to not grab a quarterback until late fourth, early fifth. Typically sounds like overall, we're all kind of in that same area. Just don't spend a second or third round pick on them, you know, unless circumstances really push you just try to avoid it in the second and third round. One more question here. Well, really a two parter. Let's try to let's try to jump through this real quick so we get to the meat and potatoes of the of the of the episode here from Derek on Facebook. Two part question. First part: Are Chase and Jefferson on pace to put up similar numbers? So we do we expect them to have similar numbers as we saw last year, or are, do you see a decline from either one of those this year? And then in a super flex league, what rookie running back are you looking to take a chance on this year? Not a lot of. Highly touted rookies this year with the quarterback class. Nobody stands out as the starting quarterback like we've had in the past. So which one are you going to take a shot on? Dan, going to you first on this one. As far as Chase and Jefferson, I think the numbers are going to be, I mean, you're splitting hairs with those two guys. I I feel like Jefferson maybe has a shade more uh, points, but it's not enough to really, to really matter you know, just depending on what your draft strategy looks like, what the bye weeks look like for those two wide receivers is where I would lean with those two guys. I tend to lean more towards Jefferson, truthfully. If he falls to me five or six in the first round, I'd probably snag Jefferson at that point. Do I see a decline from either of these guys? I think of the two, Jamar Chase has the biggest potential to decline because now teams have tape on him. They know his tendencies. They're going to take the time to study him a little bit more. You know, it's all dependent on the quarterback, which the Bengals retooled that offensive line, but Joe Burrow was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL last year. So we'll see if they're able to fix that up because that really puts your quarterback in a delicate situation. If there's no Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, then we're going to see a decline from Jamar Chase for sure. So I just think that's those are the things that I'm looking at as far as a decline goes. But, you know, those are very outlier situations. So I think both of them are going to excel this year and definitely worth the first round pick. As far as the super flex league goes, a rookie quarterback that I'm looking at personally, if it's a dynasty super flex, I'm looking at, I'm looking at Malik Willis. I think that mobility that he has is, is a nice touch and Tannehill's on his way out the door. If I'm looking at a redraft league, then it's probably Desmond Ritter. 
So on the Chase Jefferson point, I like there's I don't think they're gonna regress. I think Jamar Chase is one of the best wide receivers we've seen come out of college in years. Um, I think he's only gonna get better. And this year, I think Justin Jefferson quite possibly could break the touchdown record. I heard this once. You don't want to go into your draft trying to draft Cooper Cup on his 20 touchdowns last year. You're trying to draft the next guy who's going to score 20 touchdowns. Regression always goes to the mean. And you got Adam Thielen ganking a lot of those touchdowns last year. You know, Dalvin Cook took some. The the, the offensive coach changed, or I'm sorry, the head coach changed. It's more of an offense passing game sort of system that they're kind of bringing in. I wouldn't be afraid to take Justin Jefferson, like almost number two overall. JT goes off the board. I might take him over Christian McCaffrey. That's kind of where I'm at on Justin Jefferson. Uh, and rookie quarterback, I, I think for redraft, I think it's got to be Kenny Pickett. I know Tomlin isn't his, isn't your, oh, I'm going to start my rookie quarterback like out of the, out of the gate, like Trubisky's going to get run. I just think there's going to be a game or two Trubisky loses that Tomlin just not, not going to fly with and Kenny Pickett's going to get in there. Maybe it's halfway through the season, but I think that kid's good. Maybe it's just the preseason work that I've seen, but I, I think he's got a nice touch on his ball. He's shown extreme efficiency when he throws it, and he's on the Steelers. When do they develop like poorly? I don't, I don't think there's really a position that they don't really develop that well. When they get talent in there, it gets developed. So I like Pickett for that. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you guys on the Chase Jefferson thing. I'm not drafting him number two in redrafts yet. But I love that. I love that take, especially after you start hearing some of my strategy upcoming. So I've taken him number one and number two overall in some best ball drafts. So I really think Justin Jefferson has that chance to to potentially be that number one. Kevin O'Connell coming in from the Rams, you know, right? So where Cooper Cup is scoring all those touchdowns. So hopefully he brings that that offense to to being a little bit of high flying there. And Chase, honestly, the only reason I said that he may not, you know get all the stats he got last year is because maybe Higgins plays every game this year. He missed three to four games last year. That's going to help boost chase a little bit, but that's, I mean, that's very, very thin. And, and I don't really believe that chase is going anywhere anytime soon. Both guys are, are, are great. And as one of you said, both guys are definitely worth that first round pick in fantasy. And then for me, it's Desmond Ritter. I think he'll be the first rookie on the field. I think Marcus Mariota is a terrible quarterback. Um, and I think that Atlanta has way too many young guys there on that offense to, to not give Desmond Ritter that chance. And then if Desmond Ritter isn't that guy, they're a team that needs to go get the guy next year where Pittsburgh's not. You're right. Like Pittsburgh's going to develop and give Kenny Pickett that shot. I just think Desmond Ritter's going to get a chance earlier in the year, which is why I would Take a chance on him right now if if you're playing a, a super flex redraft league. All right. It's draft strategy time. Time to talk this draft strategy, figure out what uh you know what the best ways to to approach this draft are looking like. Trevor, you're gonna do re- picks one through four. We're doing a, a 12 man uh sort of hypothetical here for you guys. Tyler's gonna take picks five through eight. And then I'll be looking at picks nine through twelve. So I guess Trevor, you're going to kick it off with picks one through four, and we'll we'll roll through it and kind of give you what those best approaches are going to look like as you're entering these 
I mean, it's prime redraft season. It's the best time of the year going into the NFL season. So it's better than uh, Christmas. This is it. Oh man. I literally put a status up the other day, you know, most wonderful time of the year, yes, little football, little football emoji. It's just, it is, it truly is. <laughs> I love this exercise. You can always say if I'm at pick one, if I'm at pick two, but it really, it is kind of more ranges, right? If, if you're in that certain range, there should be multiple guys you're looking at multiple guys that you're targeting and kind of have a strategy because it does change depending on where you're at in the draft. I get the pleasures of talking about one to four, which to me is very easy. Um, first round for it is it's Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Cooper cup, Justin Jefferson in that order. Every time for me, um, I'm not leaving the top four without one of those four guys. If I'm at pick four, I'll just let the board tell me which one I'm taking. If I'm at pick one, I'm just going to go off my rankings and take Jonathan Taylor. Those four for me, uh, and that really sets me up for the rest of my rest of my draft, um, whether or not I'm going to be, uh, you know, taking zero RB or maybe one RB. And I'll talk about that when I get to round two. Tyler, what are you looking at for picks 105 to 108? I'm I'm basically looking to to clean up the trash, if that makes any sense. It's certainly not trash, but see whoever makes the mistake in in the first four picks, kind of somebody reaches a little bit earlier. You're like at the five spot, you're getting a top tier player. You're probably looking at either Eckler, maybe Derrick Henry, Justin Jefferson, or Jamar Chase at that point. Like I said, I'd go Jefferson, Chase, Henry, then Eckler um in this particular order so yeah that's kind of what i do it's it, it all breaks down to tiers though like you said uh it's all about ranges so you, you basically kind of look through your tiers whoever you have in a higher one and that's kind of where i'm going what about you dan i'm looking at picks nine through 12 right so you're looking for those guys that are slipping from those those first eight eight slots you know, just looking at this ADP sheet that we have here in front of us, Dalvin Cook at nine, that's a guy I'm taking if I'm at the nine spot. But any, and then of course, if like a Najee Harris, and I've even seen Jamar Chase fall into this range in a few mock drafts that I've been a part of, or Derrick Henry, those are guys that I'm looking to target if I'm in the nine through 12 slots. Now, the only player from the top 12 ADP that I'm not looking to grab right in the first round is Alvin Kamara. I have no problem letting him slip behind me um, and seeing if any other teams snag him. If I'm at the 12, 13 sort of spot where it's going from the first round to the second round, then I'm probably going double wide receiver and taking a guy like Debo Samuel or Devonte Adams and pairing him with, with another guy like um, Stefan Diggs. My focus in these later rounds is to definitely grab maybe a top tier running back. If one slips to me, if not, then I'm going double receiver and coming back around and, you know, we'll see what, what comes in that next, in that next side of things. But that's kind of what I'm looking at at these back ends is definitely make sure you're grabbing one of those top tier wide receivers and pairing him with another one of those kinds of players or one of those running backs that might slip through. Once you get back up at 13 to, I'm pretty sure it is 17, those next four picks, you're basically looking to tap the receiver position. I think that's really strong there. You have Devontae, Diggs, Samuel, like you just said, Dan. One of those guys is going to fall 
like to you at 13. So if you had started at maybe you got Jamar Chase and you double down at wide receiver and you get Stephon Diggs, that's that's an excellent start to your draft. Then you could look at running back. I mean, I would probably be looking at DeAndre Swift. He's probably my top rated running back in this range here. He's definitely going to slip to the second round. Um, first round potential if he stays healthy. He got over 70 targets last year when he was healthy. Um, a full season of that was, is just going to be PPR gold. Another sneaky for, like second-round player this year could be Leonard Fournette. Not sexy, but it's sneaky because he's on Tom Brady offense, and Brady's going to dish that ball every time he sees pressure. So somebody I'd probably stay away from in this second round here is Tyreek Hill. Um, I just, I don't trust it, man. The quarterback change, you get Jalen Waddle a couple rounds later, probably offers similar uh, ceiling, definitely a similar, uh, probably a higher floor because, I mean, last year he caught over 100 passes. So, yeah, stay away from Tyreek Hill. Big, big plus sign on Stephon Diggs. Touchdown regression, big play regression, best offense in the league. Yeah, I'll take Stefan Diggs anywhere I can find him Find him in the draft, honestly. At, at the 2-3 turn, a lot of this is really going to depend on what I just did there. Uh, if, I, if I'm if i taking Jonathan Taylor C-Mac or if I have a Justin Jefferson or a Cooper Cup. Per the ADP, uh, we're looking at ESPN's average draft position here. Running backs, Javante Williams, Aaron Jones, Saquon Barkley, they're in this range. I have not actually seen them fall this far. Uh, too often, especially in home leagues, home leagues, usually these running backs go a lot faster, more casual players, guys that maybe are just grabbing a ranking sheet and, and just starting to draft off of it. Right. They're not necessarily in this all the time. Like, like the three of us are, these guys aren't really falling here. So I don't really want to give our listeners false hope. If one of them falls here and I've already got a, a Cooper cup, I'm definitely going to snag one of them one of these running backs to anchor my running back position. But most often I'm really targeting wide receivers in this range, especially if I've just taken Jonathan Taylor or Christian McCaffrey, those guys are my running back anchors and I'm double tapping wide receiver here. AJ Brown, Mike Evans. If Debo falls as far, I've seen it a couple of times. It doesn't happen near as much, but I would love it if he would. And then also potentially taking a look at, tight end Mark Andrews. I'm not going to shy away from him if he's back here at the end of round two. I talked about that last week. Most of the time he's going mid-second round, especially if if Kelsey goes off in the first round. People start to get antsy. They want to get that tight end, so they take Andrews a little earlier. And I'm also not going to be fr- afraid of taking three run- three straight wide receivers to start my draft. If I've, t- if I've, taken, if I've taken Cooper Cup or, Jamar- or Justin Jefferson here and one of these running backs don't fall, I'll take two wide receivers in, in Mark Andrews or just three straight wide receivers. I don't feel like I have to take one of these other guys. Uh, Nick Chubb, Fournette, probably already off the board here. I'm not going to reach for guys like Cam Akers here. I, I just I don't really love James Conner. I'm not in love with him in, in this range. Not a lot of running backs I'm in love with here. Um, so I'm most often just going to try to hammer wide receivers and potentially Mark Andrews. If he's on the board, Tyler, back to you mid third round. What are you thinking? 
If I'm starting my redraft exactly how I want, I'm probably like from the five to eight spot. I'm probably starting with Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson and then coming back and hitting up Stefan Diggs or DeAndre Swift. So in this case, let's go um let's go Diggs and Jefferson. The running backs I'd probably be looking at. Um I'd be sitting there like holding the seat, begging the Aaron Jones falls to me. He probably won't in, in your uh, typical redraft uh, in typical home league, but that that's who I'd be kind of looking at. Um, also, you know, I, I would just I would just keep going with the receivers. I'd probably take either Michael Pittman or T. Higgins. I think both of those guys are on their way up to be top twelve receivers. Michael Pittman showed everything that that was really needed to be shown last year as a top dog on his team. Now he gets Matt Ryan, who's just such an unbelievably big upgrade to freaking Carson Wentz. I think the offense's passing game is actually going to flourish, and he's going to be the focal point. And you mentioned it about Higgins, Trevor. Um, if he played in all the games, he was just as much targeted as Jamar Chase. He 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 was almost as productive. His fantasy points per game weren't even that far off. The dude's a beast. But yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking at here. Probably just triple tap the wide receiver. I I, I still think that especially on the e, uh, ESPN ADP, you can kind of snag running backs later. Like Zeke's still here. Dobbins, Brees Hall, like those are still guys within your top 50 who you can get later, and your wide receivers are literally stacked at this point. Yeah, the three, four turn. This is actually, you know, this is going to finish up your core for your team if you're drafting from these slots. You know, let's say you get one of those top tier running backs falling to you and you get a wide receiver. I'm probably going to go double wide receiver here. The only exception. Because I, I don't love any of the running backs that are falling to me at the 3-4 turn, to be quite honest with you. I like the value for the running backs that I'm getting later at 5-6 or 7-8. and eight. Most of the time, I've not seen Ezekiel Elliott fall into this range. He's getting snagged in a lot of mocks that I've been in just because of his name. <laughs> so that's a guy that I'm really just not seeing fall to me at this turn. And even if he did, I don't know that I would take over a wide receiver like DJ Moore or Terry McLaurin. Those are two guys that I think would carry more of an impact on my team than grabbing a guy like Zeke, who's going to split a lot of those touches with Tony Pollard. But the guy that I'm focused on 100% of the time in this range is Kyle Pitts. I think Kyle Pitts is going to put up some fantastic numbers as a tight end. As a quick tidbit, uh, Kyle Pitts 302 in my redraft league we had on Sunday. So I was very surprised because I was at the end of round three and that's exactly who I was targeting. And for him to go three Oh two, I was, I was shocked, but I, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Didn't feel that gross. If you're grabbing double wide receiver and you grab tight end, I would honestly come back around and grab another wide receiver in the fourth round. I'm seeing Terry McLaurin there available almost every mock draft that I've been in. And in my redrafts, I was able to get Terry McLaurin in the fifth round of a 10-man keeper league. He's just not getting a whole lot of respect, not a whole lot of love in in a lot of these leagues. And I think he's going to have a phenomenal year. So those are the two guys that I'm looking at the most at this portion of the draft. Don't feel like you have to overdraft for a running back. Cam Akers, not in love with him. James Conner, I've seen him slip here a couple times. I'm just not taking him. That's not a guy I'm taking a chance on. I'm going to secure my draft by grabbing 
three receivers, a guy I can plug into the flex, and then a tight end who's basically a receiver. <laughs> to quickly, our first couple of rounds here, I mean, I think it's, none of us really are going to be in love with reaching for running backs, right? So let's just let the draft come to you. Let the draft fall to you. Read your room and, and don't over don't overreach in the running back position. I believe we're all probably going to start talking a little bit about some some running backs we start to like, and we talked a little bit about some earlier, Chase Edmonds, Ramondre Stevenson, these guys you can get in round six, seven, and eight. Tyler, what do you got in the middle of round four? A player that I, I'd like to see here is maybe Brees Hall or David Montgomery. Either one of those guys in the middle of the fourth, the way I built my theoretical te- team draft here. If I if I end with or if I have Justin Jefferson, uh, Stephon Diggs, Michael Pittman, then I then I add a Brees Hall or a David Montgomery to that. I'd be feeling really really strong about my first four rounds there. This is kind of people say this is the running back dead zone, but I have David Montgomery on that same said um, two time championship team, and he's also carried me in the last eight games both years because. His schedule almost every year when it comes to fantasy football playoff time is literally the juiciest thing ever. You, you, once you get there, you he's he's mopping it up. He's David Mopportunity for a reason. Love that dude. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm going there. Uh, with this with this approach, I mean you can also kind of look at tight end, but if I'm not getting Pitts, Andrews, or Kelsey, I'm probably not gonna do that. Maybe if Josh Allen's still around here, he's probably not, especially in your home leagues. Um, people are going to want that name value. So, yeah, running back here is probably the best value, in my opinion. And if you kind of went a different way, then Mike Williams all day long at, at this at this ADP. I think he's going to hop Keenan Allen and be the number one wide receiver over there. When he was healthy last year, he was absolutely dominant for the first six, seven weeks of the season. Wide receiver two overall. Well, I'll take it here at the four or five turn, and I'll take I'll take Mike Williams uh, any, anywhere in the fourth as well. Uh, I, I love Mike Williams here. I'm not he's not going to fall to the four or five turn, but you're I'm, I just love that pick that you mentioned there because uh, as I mentioned last week, I also believe that Mike Williams is going to overcome that RB that wide receiver one there in LA. But at the four or five turn, I mentioned it earlier. This is where my radar really goes to Lamar Jackson here at the back end of the fourth. If he, depending on how the quarterback room goes, right? What I've seen is by this point, Mahomes and Allen and Herbert are all off the board already. And sometimes Lamar Jackson's already off the board as well. In this range, if he, if Lamar's off the board at the end of four, once I turn over to five, I really, really have to start thinking about reaching a little bit for a quarterback or I'm, I'm probably going to end up punting quarterback because more often than not, these quarterbacks are not falling back to the end of the sixth round. The quarterbacks we talked about earlier, Hertz, Lance, Murray, they're not necessarily going to get back to me at the back end of the sixth, which is why I'm looking now. I'm looking at getting ahead of that, that quarterback run, hoping not to get locked out of an elite quarterback. So that's where, that's where my, my immediate focus is at. And then assuming maybe I already took like a Mark Andrews at the back end of round two, then it's going right back to, to wide receiver. Some guys in this, this ADP range, uh, or even some guys that are a little bit later than this that I really like Cortland Sutton wide receiver one in Denver, 
Gabe Davis, I'm willing to take him here early fifth. Even Hollywood Brown potentially. Uh, some some wide receivers that I just think have great upside. And now I'm taking him as my wide receiver three or four here. If I did not get Mark Andrews at the back end of the two and I'm drafting in this range, I, I'm going to go ahead and take George Kittle here because, again, I don't want to miss out on the elite tight end because George Kittle and Darren Waller are also not getting back to me at the back end of round six. Tyler, what are you uh, what, what are you looking at mid fifth round? I, I'm probably going to draft Cortland Sutton at that point because typically I draft in three wide receiver leagues and two flex. So if I could leave a draft with Pittman, Diggs, Justin Jefferson, and then add my two flexes as Mike Williams and Cortland Sutton, I'm probably going to win that league. So that I'd go Cortland Sutton here in the um, the mid fifth, pretty much. I, I love him there. Let's let me look at a. I, I also like Brandon Cooks at that range. Terribly underrated wide receiver um, has been a top twenty wide receiver on like six different teams his entire time he's been here in the NFL. I really like Darnell Mooney, as you said. Also, Gabe Davis. Another, both of those guys are under the radar. Um, as far as sleeper tight end, I probably wouldn't draft him here. But a guy to like kind of if, if tight ends are kind of flying off the board in that particular draft, I think Dalton Schultz is going to finish ahead of Kittle, Hawkinson, and Waller. There's a lot of targets there. Dak obviously likes Schultz. Schultz has proven he was productive last year. I think it's going to be the C.D. Lamb Schultz show. And you add in Zeke and Pollard in the running game, they're, they're, there's targets to go around. And he get he he think it was around a 17 to 20% target share last year on a Dallas offense. That's a real solid piece of a very uh, pass heavy explosive pie. Like I like Dalton. So, but the, the whole reason why I like him is because you can get him after these guys. So in this hypothetical, they wouldn't have gone yet. So I wouldn't take him right now, but in home leagues, your tight ends might fly off the board a little quicker. What about you, Dan? Been a minute. Yeah, I know. I've been kind of like, it feels like a real draft where you're just waiting for it to get back around to you. <laughs> when you're sitting on those turns, it can take, it can feel like forever. But I'll start with an ideal scenario, which for me, the ideal scenario is that I go double receiver, right? I get one of those, two of those premier receivers. I come back around, I get another receiver in my flex and Kyle Pitts at tight end. At this point in the draft, I'm looking at shoring up my quarterback and getting one of those top tier guys. This is Trevor. Why these quarterbacks and these tight ends aren't making it back to you. It's because this turn right here is cleaning up because they know that none of that's getting back to them. If it makes it to them at this turn right here, I'm looking to grab a guy like Kyler Murray. I'm looking to grab Joe Burrow. Some of those other quarterbacks that are sort of the top six to seven range, Jalen Hurts even, if ideal scenario doesn't play out, maybe I've gotten at this point I have a running back and two or three wide receivers, then I'm going to try and grab one of my tight ends, Kittle, Hawkinson, Waller at this position is where I'm willing to, to go. I am not as high on Dalton Schultz as you are, Tyler, and I talked about it in our, our last episode. I'm just not super confident 
and him being able to replicate what he was doing last year. You can't ignore the numbers. He did get a ton of targets last year. And, you know, with the departure of Amari Cooper, it does open it up a little bit more. But they also paid Michael Gallup, and he is on track to come back. They're not putting him on the pup list. And they drafted another young wide receiver in Jalen Tolbert who could be grabbing some of those targets as well. Factor in that Tony Pollard's grabbing things out of the backfield. It's not that I don't like Dalton Schultz. I just don't like where he's being drafted is the big piece for me. I'd rather wait around. And honestly, I'd rather take Hawkinson over Schultz at this point in the draft. And then if I don't have a tight end here, then maybe we can look at grabbing a, a guy like Zach Ertz or, or finding a tight end that we can stream later in the draft. Um, the running backs that I'm looking at at the five, six turn are, it's kind of a similar situation. It's not that I don't like these running backs. I've seen ETN. I've seen Josh Jacobs slip to this range. Antonio Gibson's there like clockwork. And then so is Elijah Mitchell in a lot of the mocks that I've been doing for this general range right here. Of those running backs, the guy that I like the most is Elijah Mitchell. Uh, I really like that San Francisco offense. I like what Kyle Shanahan does for running backs in San Fran. He's probably the only running back from that group that I would look to take in this range. And then maybe Josh Jacobs, the rest of them I'm going to pass on and see what falls back to me at the 7-8 um, turn. Guys like Clyde Edwards-Alaire's making it there, Kenneth Walker, Rashad Penny, uh, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson are both available at the 7-8 turn in most of the mocks that I've been able to do. And I don't think there's much of a difference between that group of guys at 7-8 and the group of guys that's available at 5-6 aside from Elijah Mitchell. And I just really like the value that it, you get at quarterback and tight end as opposed to what you get at that next turn. So that's really what I'm looking at in that range for sure. What do you got in middle six, Tyler? I definitely agree with you there. So the way I, I, I'm planning out my kind of redraft strategy right now, it, it's looking like in this in this realm area here, I'm probably going to be taking those running backs that you mentioned. I like Mitchell, but both Antonio Gibson and Josh Jacobs have been top 12 running backs before. And that's just kind of the upside that I'm looking for personally. I know Antonio Gibson's situation is really poor right now, but we're closing in on what we're in the sixth round, right? Mid sixth. I think that's a pretty solid place to take if he even, if he gets his floor production from last year, that's, that's RB 13 or 14. If I have him in Montgomery and, a bunch of top 10 wide receivers. I'm going to feel really good about myself after leaving that draft. Another player that you probably could take a little higher than where he actually is in ADP. His average pick is 92 right now. It's Rashard Bateman, wide receiver for the Ravens. I really loved him coming out of school. I thought when they drafted him, that was a perfect compliment to the deep ball threat that Hollywood brought. He's one of those guys who's going to get in between the numbers and, and, and do the dirty work and be that big physical guy for Lamar to latch onto. But he can also play on the sideline, go over the top. Um, I think he's going to get peppered in targets. Him and Andrews are pretty much that whole passing game. Love Rashad Bateman here. Also probably looking at quarterback at, at, at this point. If all of these guys that we've kind of talked about uh, aren't there, one dude that we haven't really talked about, and you want to take a quarterback and kind of solidify that that spot if you're not really willing to wait is Russell Wilson. I love the new situation. 
he's finally on an offense that um, is probably going to let him cook and be efficient at the same time. Nathaniel Hackett comes from Green Bay. Uh, that Green Bay system has had Aaron Rodgers win MVP two times in a row. It's a very fluent offense. He's got Corton Sutton, Jerry Judy, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon. We're all guys that we're pretty high on generally. I mean, the first three I mentioned are going within the top 65 picks in redraft and dynasty. So if you like all the pieces of the pie, why don't you like the dude who's cooking it? That's kind of my, my take there. Can we go back to unlimited? Remember when he had the unlimited? Let's see. Unlimited. Mr. (laughs) Unlimited. Somebody let him cook. Yeah. (laughs) He's he's got all the one-liners and now he's, now he's riding. I want to go back real quick. Dan brought up Elijah Mitchell. I think he's solidified as the number one back in, in San Francisco. I think he did that last year. Right. But if you think about San Francisco, you always think about, there's always all these running backs. And uh, one of our writers over at Niners empire put out an article today that talked about Trey sermon, highly touted third round pick from last year. And really just mentioning how he may not have the job anymore. He may not be the number two guy. He, he may not be the number three guy, but go to NinersEmpire.com, Check that out. Uh, see that article. But there was a name that he brought up that was new to me. And it's Jordan Mason, un- undrafted free agent, rookie running back Jordan Mason for the San Francisco 49ers. 6.3 yards per carry, he notes here in the article. I'm not t- I'm not saying anything about redraft, but we've talked best ball before. He's he's my new 18th round pick, my last pick guy, because you know Shanahan loves his running backs. And if something happens to Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon might not be the guy. It could be this undrafted free agent, Jordan Mason. Go check that out over at NinersEmpire.com. Follow Chris Polo at Chris Polo underscore a good writer over there for us uh, with, with Stadium Ramp. Now, my last pick here on this quintessential mock draft six round. This is a dead zone for me running backs. I don't want anything to do with them. I'm really going to look at seven, eight, nine rounds. Th- those rounds are, are, are where I'm loving some of these running backs who have really high upside, great contingency value there. I'm targeting no matter what happened at quarterback tight end. If I hit them, great. If not, they're probably not here. I probably missed them by now. I'm going to target guys like Devontae Smith, Allen Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster. Some of these guys that something has changed for them over the offseason, but they're in really good positions, right? Devontae Smith gets A.J. Brown, comes to Philadelphia. Allen Robinson changes teams. Juju changes teams but they're all on really good offenses with really good quarterbacks. I want to target these type of wide receivers here back end of round six, find somebody who could be that first round pick, you know, next year, who, who could be a Cooper cup coming from round five to round one next year. I think these are three guys that have some of that upside there going into next year. Generally speaking here, let's kind of give a quick overview, no matter where you're going to draft from, just, just a, a short overview of, of your style of drafting. You got through six, eight, 10 rounds. What do you really want your roster construction to look like? Understanding every draft's different. We have to know our draft the rules are different, but what's your, what's your standard look for a team? Dan, I'll start with you here. What, what, what are you thinking generally process? You're through eight rounds. What's going to make you feel really good? 
My philosophy for sure, uh, no matter where I'm drafting, is to try and secure as many top 10 players at every position as I can. I'm sure that's what everybody does, right? Um, but making sure that you plan your draft out, know when these guys are going to fall so that you can capitalize on that and and really get to your best ability. If you're getting, even if you're getting top 15 ranked guys at as many of these positions as you can, um, it's really going to put you in, in the, the best position for when your league gets kicked off. So ideally, I'm looking at getting a quarterback that's in the top six to seven range. I want a tight end that's in five to six. If I don't get one of those tight ends, then I'm waiting until after that eight round mark. And then ideally, I'm going to have my top three wide receivers established and all those guys are going to be top 20 to 25. And then my running backs, if I can get an anchor running back, someone there that can lead the charge, maybe that first round running back kind of type of guy, great. If not, I have no problem grabbing running backs in the later rounds to shore up the core that I've established with my wide receivers, my tight end, and my quarterback. Honestly, in these first eight rounds, there's not a ton of rookies that I'm in love with. Most of the drafts that I've been a part of, I'm seeing rookies falling into the later rounds, um, you know, namely those receivers, guys like Drake London, Chris Olave, Traylon Burks. All of those guys are guys that I would like to draft, but I'm not seeing them get picked up in the first eight rounds. So I have no problem waiting to grab those guys. And, you know, of the running backs, really the only one that stands out is Brees Hall, you know, and I'm really not trying to draft him in those first eight rounds either, to be quite honest with you. So, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of what I'm looking at. I'm looking at vets. I'm looking at maybe some of those second or third year guys and um, yeah, trying to build that out. What I'm trying to do when I go into my draft is I, I, I have a plan. And then typically when you're on the clock, your plan has to get thrown out the window and you have to make a new plan just like right off rip. So generally I, my, my whole thing is staying calm, not, not being flustered, not being put on tilt and just letting the draft board come to you, let others make the mistakes. And then you just eat up on value. So if the value in your draft's going to be running backs in your first five picks, so be it. Guess what? The, the value of the, after that is going to be loaded with wide receivers. Uh, you're going to have to make a course correction. But like, if you can corner the market on one position, there are definitely valuable players left in rounds 8 through 15 that can definitely make a mark in any position, really. So... Don't really play the position game. Play the play the most value game. Like which player is the most valuable to you? When you're eight rounds in, you kind of look and you see, then you can start gauging where your positional value is kind of taking you. Once you can see your roster, then you can really make your plan and then follow through with it like in the moment. Because it's all great. If you if you have a plan and you try and stick to it, the second the player that you're planned goes, then you're on tilt. You're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Then you're scrolling through things. You're like, oh my God. Then you hit a button, accidentally draft this dude. When I'm five picks out, I've got it. Here's the five guys I'm, I'm going with, right? I, I just always try to do that when you're into drafts. Start making notes early. These are the guys, no matter what. It doesn't happen every time. Of course, there's times that I have to take the whole 60 seconds or the whole 90 seconds, whatever your draft clock is. But more times than not, 
I know because I'm five picks out. I'm already writing down those five, five guys. Right. So now you're not in that flustered situation overall though, for me with going through a draft, there's, there's one thing I'm never going to do. I'm not going to draft two running backs in the first two rounds. That's not going to happen. I will, I would have, if I had a hundred drafts, I would have more zero RB drafts than ever having two, two running backs in the first four rounds. Probably. It's just not going to happen for me. I really love getting that anchor depending on where I'm at. If it's Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, awesome. If I'm at the back end of round one where Dan talked a lot about today, I grabbed DeAndre Swift in the second round of my most recent home draft. Like I love doing things like that, getting that one running back uh, and then really just loading up. I'll also err on the side of punting at tight end and punting at quarterback versus reaching at either one of those two positions. I want to get an elite guy but I don't want to sacrifice the rest of my positions early in the draft just to get an elite quarterback or, or tight end, which is why I talked earlier about taking Lamar. I never once said I would ever reach that high for like a Murray or Hertz or Lance. Even, even if my intuition wants me to, I, I just can't do that. You still have to be smart. Like you said, don't, don't panic. Let the draft come to you. I would rather err on the side of punting at both of those positions over reaching for those guys. And if I end up through seven rounds and I've got five, six wide receivers, I won't be mad. Like I'm targeting four wide receivers in the first seven, eight rounds. And if I ended up with more than that, so be it round eight comes around guys like Edmonds, Stevenson, James cook singles, all these guys that are just sitting back there with great contingent values. I'm just going to start hammering them and taking running back after running back after running back. Because I only have to play one of them at this point. I've got an anchor RB. So I only need one other guy there. And uh, hopefully one of them hits. So that's that's where I'm at generally through the first eight, ten rounds. We've got one more closing question here. Just a little bit about draft strategy. Just kind of wrap this thing up. I'd like to know, who do you believe is the player that has been most undervalued when looking at their ADP, looking at your ranks, Who's the most undervalued player for you right now in redraft? Dan, kick it over to you. For me, it was hard to pinpoint just one guy. Um, so I'm going to talk about three. <laughs> for me, uh, you know, I'm looking at Juju Smith-Schuster first and foremost being the most undervalued player. All of us have kind of a similar philosophy here. We're trying to load up on those wide receivers, especially in PPR leagues. Uh, they just carry so much value. We're talking about the wide receiver for the best quarterback in the NFL with the best play caller in the NFL drawing up the plays. And, you know, you can say it's the Kansas City bias, but, you know, they're the best head coach and quarterback combination. And there's no arguing against that. Couple those guys with Juju Smith-Schuster, the ball's got to go somewhere. It's not they're not all going to Travis Kelsey. Juju Smith-Schuster has proven to be the guy that's kind of emerged from that wide receiver group as the number one. And for him to be going late seventh, early eighth is just crazy to me. There's teams that have two receivers coming off the board before the chief's number one receiver even leaves the draft board. So that's just huge value that you'd be getting in those later rounds. And I've seen him slip further than just seven or eight. After that, I'm looking at Tyler Boyd. All three of those Cincinnati receivers, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, they're all super talented. Tyler Boyd's going in like 
the twelfth or thirteenth round. If you're snagging a guy like that, you know, all it takes is, you know, God forbid anything like this happen. But if there's an injury where Jamar Chase or T. Higgins is missing time, Tyler Boyd is immediately going to skyrocket to a a wide receiver two flex kind of player. So if you're able to secure a guy like that, maybe you miss out on some of those late round rookie receivers, a Jamison Williams, someone you can tuck and see how they play. Tyler Boyd's going to be that guy. And then lastly, it's Rashad Penny. He's going super late as well. Kenneth Walker is likely not going to play the first couple of weeks because of his recent injury. Um, if he does come back, it's not going to be 100%. They're not going to give him the workload that they may have had planned for him before the injury. And he's an RB1. Without Kenneth Walker healthy, who does that leave? Travis Homer? I don't think he's really going to eat into Rashad Penny's workload. So grabbing a guy like that super late, um, it's just a it's just a ton of value, and I don't see him going super early. A, a lot of times, Kenneth Walker is still getting picked first in a lot of the mocks that I've been a part of. So Rashad Penny definitely undervalued this year. I kind of followed suit here with you, Dan. I kind of picked three, but I'll run through them real uh, real quick here. My number one's by Alan Lazard. And it's for a lot of the same reasons that you have Juju here. He's playing with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. One of the best receivers in the league just left and took his 160-some-odd targets and walked them right on to LA or Las Vegas. So there's that. And MVS actually left that team too. So that's around 40% of that target share in Green Bay from Aaron Rodgers. Those are efficient targets. He already likes Lazard. He has a rapport with Lazard, and he just ripped the two rookie wide receivers, a new one, on uh, social media the other day, and only Aaron Rodgers' drama queen fashion could. I love Lazard. He's going in 80-95, so 103rd. If you're in a 12-team league, that's around the 8th, ninth round there. Obvious steal. Uh, He could be a top wide receiver. He could be a top 24 wide receiver. You're getting him at a value. I love Adam Thielen. Uh, if he's healthy, that dude scores touchdowns at a insane rate, almost historical career touchdown rate. Really? That, that dude's just, uh, at some point it's got to stop. I don't know if it's going to be this year. He's similar to Lazard uh, mid eighties, ADP. That's uh, around seven round eight. Another guy, if you're just kind of, if you did take the RB route, if you're opposite of us and you wanted to take the RB routes, that's a solid receiver you could target in late rounds. The last dude here is going to be Michael Carter. I love Brees Hall. I do. I really like him. I think he landed in a great spot. He's going to get a large um, majority of that workload, but no teams or not a lot of teams really have that like bell cow 30 touch back running back anymore i think that michael carter is going to get 12 to 15 touches a game i think he's under underrated like last year when he got work he was very very serviceable i'm pretty sure he was the rb1 on one week that it was before he got hurt so his talent there you're getting him again in that like after the stevenson tier i would imagine in drafts so if you kind of miss out on those players michael carter could be a Nice consolidation prize. Um, yeah, those are the guys I got who are feeling kind of undervalued on. I believe I saw a report today that Michael Carter was still the number one running back for the Jets. Uh, could have just been coach speak or, or beat writers kind of talking him up, but it feels like he still has a role in that offense for sure. And I think most of the value is because 
nobody thinks that he's going to have that role. But nothing, anything outside of them drafting Brees Hall, nothing else has told us he's not going to have a role there. So uh, I, I would I would agree we probably are under drafting him. My guy is Chris Godwin, obviously coming off of an injury. But last year, even only playing in 14 games, 21st in league in targets, top 10 in receptions, top 13 in receiving yards. Again, he, he had three less games than the average wide receiver. He was a wide receiver seven on a per game basis for fantasy in 2021. If he would have finished the season, he had a shot to be a top five wide receiver. If we remember a couple years back, he was the wide receiver one. I believe that was 2019 with the famous Jameis season. Now he's being drafted towards the end of the fifth round wide receiver 22. He's not being treated as that wide receiver with top five potential. And really that's due to the uncertainty. When's he going to play? We have no idea at this point in time. Could be six weeks, could be three weeks. But I believe if if it came out tomorrow and they said, look, he'll be available, he'll be ready to play week three, he's shooting up my draft board. I'm going to start looking in the Jalen Waddle, Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin range because I can live with without two weeks of Chris Godwin if that means I'm starting in week three, maybe starting in week four. Just that early fourth round is pr- was probably where he deserves to be if he's healthy, and I think that's why we're undervaluing him right now is because he's not healthy. I even have him outside my top 25 rankings, so I am also undervaluing him, but I'm targeting him in, him, him in drafts because I do believe once he's back, especially the way I draft, he's going to be fourth or fifth or sixth wide receiver I take. I love that. I'll sit on him, put him on my IR spot for a couple weeks, and throw him in my lineup as soon as he's back. Awesome. Well, that's all we have for you guys this week. You know, I, I definitely agree with what you were saying, Trevor, on on Chris Godwin. You know, he's one of those receivers that slipped to me in my last redraft. So if you have that opportunity to take him fifth or sixth, you know, don't don't skip on that. Um, but thank you all for listening. I hope this helps you as you get geared up for your redraft leagues. Tyler, thank you so much for joining us. We couldn't have done this without you, my guy. What? Where can everybody find your content, your material? Why don't you tell us a little bit about where they can follow you and, and how they can catch up on the Gillette Gazette? Uh, yeah, you can follow our Facebook page, Gillette Gazette. Uh, you just type that in and uh, click like, click follow. I post every article from GilletteGazette.com on there. If you're looking to Twitter, you can just follow me at lamb4752 and um, you can definitely see our content at Stadium Rant HQ. Give them a follow too. Blessed to be with these awesome people here at the ADP. I'm hoping we're giving you guys knowledge to go win your championships and gloat in front of your friends and wave that money or wave that belt around because it feels damn good when it's happening. Tyler, thank you for being here. Tyler mentioned the Gillette Gazette articles, GilletteGazette.com. You can also find the Gillette Gazette podcast on NFL on Stadium Rant podcast. Go check it out. Yesterday, Gillette Gazette, Bills Beat, Browns Brawl, Chiefs Edge. We've got your NFL team covered. More to come. Go ahead and follow us on Spotify, NFL on Stadium Rant podcast. Hit the follow, leave a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us, ADP. Another damn fantasy podcast on Apple and Spotify. Give a five-star review. Leave a comment. 
You already know we are a Stadium Rant production, so at Stadium Rant HQ is where you can find all of the content coming from the network at ADP underscore podcast SR. Make sure you're following along with that this season. We're going to be dropping all kinds of starts and sits and different things that we're putting out there on the airwaves so that you can have that extra voice in your head as you're making those tough decisions on Thursdays and Sundays and Mondays as you're setting your lineup. So again, it's at ADP underscore podcast SR. And that's hosted by yours truly, Dan. You can follow me at Dan underscore TF40. And of course, Trevor at Trevor S underscore FF. We appreciate everybody for taking the time to listen. We hope you kick ass in your drafts this year. And Tyler, thanks again for jumping on with us. Cheers, everybody. We'll see you next week. I need to know everything. Who in the what and the where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George. I hop in the Porsche, five and a horse. I'm ready for war. I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost. I need to know everything. Now you'd be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk, so I'm letting them